Hey, Prague fam, this is your host, Randy Salo. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that the feature-length documentary that I made about Norway's dark progressive meddlers in Matter Mortem is going to premiere in London on June 12th at the Castle Cinema. Hal of the Underdogs is the story of Matter Mortem and their singer, who, struggling with a lifelong eating disorder in an image-obsessed industry, undergoes weight loss surgery to battle the demons that have given birth to their music. After filming with the band during their 20th anniversary year as they recorded new music, toured Europe, and reunited all of their former members in Oslo for a once-in-a-lifetime show, the film explores how the band boils down their internal demons, Scandinavian cultural norms, and an image-obsessed industry into inspiration inspirational music that reaches fans around the world. We are very excited that Dock and Roll London will be presenting the film with the Norwegian Embassy in London sponsoring. Metal Hammer journalist Jonathan Seltzer will be hosting the event and myself and Matter Mortem singer Agneta Kierkevag will be joining in for a Skype Q&A after the screening. So grab your tickets while they last. You can find a link to purchase those at the film's website, www.howlofthunderdogs.com. That's howlofthunderdogs.com. Check in the show notes for the link as well. Okay, see you at the show and on with the broadcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Procast. This is a very special episode. It is episode 142. I'm your host, Dario, and I'm here with my co-host. And we have some big news uh, to share with you. So stay tuned. Yeah, Randy, uh, we had uh, another cool run of awesome interviews, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, I really was enjoying the Azure uh, talk you had. It was really fun to hear about, uh, you know, they're shooting that music video. And, like, <laughs> I, I love the, and as a filmmaker, I loved that anecdote about, like, oh, we went to this place and it's always so beautiful and the sun is shining. And the day we got there was, like, a storm and the drums were rolling down <laughs> the hill. And the cows. I know this the, so well. The menacing cows. <laughs> the menacing cows, that's right. Yeah, it 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 was absolutely um it's it's a blast to to have these conversations with, with, with cool people. Just I mean the frost guys are hilarious. Um yeah. the, the the wonderful people from Subterranean Masquerade. Um Adam from Rolla. Adam, that that's it's just so nice because um, I mean um, maybe some of you or most of you might not know, uh, but yeah, a lot of these people and musicians, I have the pleasure and honor of knowing for a couple of years now because of all the live concerts that were going on like a lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> um. And um, in, for example, John Mitchell was a returning guest as well, and and a, a lot of these um, bands that we had lately were returning guests, um, and it's just so amazing to see how far we've come with the with the broadcast uh, for in in the last two and a half years, and uh, now start now that we started to to have. 
some interview guests on the show again mm. with with the with their next album even or something like that. It's uh, yeah, and I mean I think during the, the the fact that you know we switched to the interview format, you know, uh, it, during the first lockdown at the start of the pandemic, uh, you know, in in a, in a way that I think we couldn't have imagined it like especially for you knowing a lot of these bands uh, already like keeping in touch with them somehow during the pandemic when there was no live shows you could still you know chat with them and keep up with them and you know see how they're doing and give them also a platform i guess to to sh- you know to tell their fans what's going on and stuff so yeah it was a yeah, blessing that, in disguise in that way that, that was it was wonderful and um but on the on the other hand of course i um i'm so looking forward to to seeing them in the flesh in real life again yeah once that's possible and um who knows i by that time if i will go to the concerts with my recording equipment because i think we 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 should break the news right now that <laughs> this uh, maybe you have read the 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 title of the episode this uh looks like it's going to be the last episode for for the time being of the podcast um which is uh, the end of a two and a half uh, years era um, <laughs> a big era yeah for us i mean we started this uh over several chats in you know at concerts watching you know bands prog bands that we both like that's how we got to know each other and would it be cool if we would have these conversations and record them and share yeah. them with people? And that's how it all started. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think. Um, we we probably know each other for more than five, six years. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's five, <laughs> at least five years by now, since the start of Freaks TV. You know, when I started filming bands. For Freaks TV um, and doing Into the Machine and stuff like that. That's how we when we really got to know each other. I mean, yeah, as Dario says, this is the this is going to be the final episode for the time being. Um, it's not that Dario and I are breaking up <laughs> our friendship <laughs> here. It's uh, it's um, it's more complicated, I guess, and and just like life in general. You know, we both have gotten very busy lately. Um, Dario can talk about a little bit what he's been up to, but, uh, as I keep promoting on the, on the show, the, the movie that I made about Matter Mortem is coming out this month, uh, in, in like a theatrical release of sorts. And then there's going to be a whole lot more to do for a, a DVD, uh, release of that later in the year. And, um, yeah, Stuas Media is actually starting another podcast at the same time. And we have a lot of productions going on and, um, yeah, we just started to get a bit busy, and yeah, Dario's been really busy too. Yeah, I mean, um, one reason be- because I was able, or uh, why I was able to to do this, especially this um, like two two episodes a, a week uh, for these last months um, was, or yeah, starting at some point last fall, I think, uh, was. Of course, that I was actually unemployed, so um, <laughs> I really had the time to to write to the bands and and schedule all the interviews and do all the interviews and then um, finish all the episodes. But 
fortunately, luckily, um, I found a job, so I'm 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 really busy with that new job uh, now here in Munich at the Film Fest, uh, which uh, which is amazing, and uh, we're working hard to make uh, cultural live events possible again. Uh, with all the um, necessary hygiene and 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 distancing concepts that are necessary, and and uh, uh, but it's a lot of work. It's 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 very very stressful because of course it's not a not an event that has like you know years of uh, experience that it has always been that way and stuff. So everything is new. Um, so that's it is super exciting but it's also super stressful and um so yeah just a lot of different aspects and um things coming together that led us to the point that we sadly had to say this this is the only responsible decision here for us to make to um uh not you know Otherwise, we 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 might see see ourselves quickly um, working around the clock, and uh, we 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 cannot do that to our health. Yeah. So burnout, of course, <laughs> is a is a real thing, and um, I think it is. You know, I think creative people uh, certainly experience this because you you know you want to keep doing and going and pushing and. Yeah, well, there's only so many hours in the day, and um, yeah, I mean, I think we we both just had to come to this point to to decide, like, okay, this has been a lot of fun, and you know, I think I think this is a good moment to to actually like you know thank all the people that supported the show and um, all the promoters and all the bands and labels and folks who were, you know, writing us and, and, and eager to come on and, and supporting us in their own way and stuff like that. I mean, the support for the show is what kept it going as well for two and a half years. Absolutely. And, um, and last but not least, also you guys out there, the listeners. I mean, without listeners, we wouldn't have an audience. And it's nice for me to chat with the, with all those uh, uh, cool people and uh I I I love love it for the sake of the conversation for myself. Uh, but uh, the uh, the goal with this is also to present to 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 offer those bands a platform, uh, whether they might be a really small up and coming band like we had this year, for example, Pleximens from Siberia, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely fantastic um, new band that um blew me away um or uh, of course it was also a huge honor to host some of the biggest legends in the prog world i mean if like one and a half years ago somebody would have told me uh yeah you you're going to have uh two uh members of uh, current members of king crimson on your show um <laughs> within a couple of months i would say you're crazy and all of this happened and there were so so many amazing um interview guests um that are were yeah that shared their their passion for music with us 
and so it's 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 really no big difference if they're like um prog heroes for 40 years already or if they just starting out and and and, and starting to build an audience with their debut release whatever um it's really just about the the passion for music and I think that's also something we we wanted to talk about today a little bit our journey into Prague how we uh yeah how we ended up here in the <laughs> in the end <laughs> actually um that's a that's a um that actually leads me to I I feel like we should um give a huge shout out and thanks to you know the other half of your Prague life at the Prague space because you know when we started this and um you know, we did this collaboration with the Prague Space to, you know, promote each other with the show uh, for for those years. You know, it, it increased, you know, our, our ability to reach new people. Um, we connected with new bands that way. We could participate in different ways. And, of course, you were riding both <laughs> trains a bit. I yeah. wasn't involved with the Prague Space so much. But, um, you know... Th- the prog space was like super helpful and and helping us you know get the word out and and making the show you know what it is and so many great relationships were developed you know through that partnership so i mean i feel like that's another thing i'm very grateful for you know during the course of of making the show um and yeah that's like the part of the the prog journey that you just mentioned that's what our episode topic is today because i think that you and i often mention like how we got into a band or you know we've talked about you know bands that had an influence on us and we thought actually the the idea came because um another thing that I'm kind of busy with at the moment and I just wanted to say um before we you know jumped into the topic that Dario and I aren't going anywhere <laughs> like we you'll definitely still see us involved in things of course Dario uh, in the prog space, uh, will still be active and doing stuff. Yep. And I'm, I've been writing a quote unquote solo album for uh, the last half year. And that's something that I'm going to be pursuing. And I found that it's kind of hard to do both to like pursue your own musical thing and also do the, the other you know, sort of promotional side uh, of the of the show. So I'm I'm looking forward to to being able to focus on that and yeah yeah. And so we'll both still be in the scene. Of course, we still build all these friendships. And and who knows what happens? You know, I mean, yeah. it's not a shut door. You know, it's just a. It's we've a got, slight. We've got all the possibilities in the world and in, in whatever time frame. We'll see. We'll see what happens and. Um, I wanted to say something else, but it slipped my mind now. Ah, yes, of course. Um, uh, talking about the prog space, where I'm still active, of course. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out and subscribed to our um, Spotify playlists yet, then I would absolutely recommend to do so. Um, because it developed actually through the broadcast, this What's Hot section that we kind of uh started here on the show and then it it it's uh at one point it uh became something on its own and then at one point it we even split it into the what's hot 
playlist, which is a playlist for for the newest, hottest singles. And uh, the other part is the releases of the week on Fridays for album and EP releases. Um, so definitely subscribe there to always keep up to date. And I'm happy to have assembled like a very knowledgeable um, and passionate team with me. That is uh, Colin McAndrew from Canada and Leah Darmoni from, uh, from France. Uh, who helped me, uh, who helped a lot, like uh, assembling and, and, and compiling all the new music that gets released. We also um, had um, the, a third uh, podcast uh, host from time to time, who now has his own show, of course, at the Prague Space. And we're talking about Runa with um, the Prague Talks with yeah. Uncle Prague. Uh, so definitely be sure, and you know, if you're if you feel like you're lacking some some prog podcasting in your life, be sure and subscribe to that show. He he has great long talks with very really cool artists. I really enjoy Runa's deep dives and the questions he asks. So yeah, that's that 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 is kind of the format that we that we uh, wanted to do in the beginning, like two of us nerding out on one topic for <laughs> yeah. a long time. And uh, somehow it happened to to develop into something else entirely, into into a really you know hot on the news, hot off the press, um, uh, very very timely um, series of interviews. And I always try to to get the most interesting band that actually releases something that week yeah. um, for the last months. So so that is a quite a different approach but but also very very enjoyable and and every now and then of course he 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 will align his guests also with new releases like uh it was very cool we um i mean i had jason grantman the the bass player from acolyte and uh, so and he had david van pelt the the keyboarder the synth player from acolyte mm-hmm. um so so that we could also kind of um complement each other um with with different angles to the same band or same release yeah uh in 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 the last weeks which was also cool um yeah yeah uh, that, that's that i would say and and uh indeed uh there have been instances and 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 um yeah throughout scattered throughout all of these 142 plus episodes where i i definitely remember both the two of us and also me uh talking to other interview guests uh about uh, some particular moment of my some some particular important moment of my journey into Prague. Mm-hmm. uh but we never really touched on the big uh story like in one go, <laughs> and I think we're we're about to try to to see where where it leads uh, when we when we when we do this now. So, yeah, w- Randy, what was your first time you 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 got into in touch with with Prague or something of that sort? So I always uh, imagined that if there would be a film about my life. Um, that the moment would be sitting in a Volkswagen um, 
beetle or something in Würzburg, Germany in 1994. And if like the camera would be outside the car, the car would look all steamed up and the, and the car would be shaking from outside and the uh, suspense would be building as the camera pushed into the car. And when you would go inside the car, you'd see these four long-haired teenagers headbanging to um, the mirror from Dream Theater's Awake. And uh, this was the first time I ever heard Dream Theater that I was aware that it was Dream Theater. Uh, And I was 14 years old, and that was the first time I heard prog metal in 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 the way that I would come to know it um, because I was already a metal fan um, metal music was forbidden in my youth uh, because I went to like you know Southern Baptist school and church in the south of the US and had a pretty strict upbringing so I wasn't allowed to listen to rock and roll at all uh, and, wow. and then I had to like start like sneaking I discovered heavy metal because the uh, a traveling minister came to speak to my church group, my the, the the youth group in my church, and wanted to tell us about the evils of heavy metal sometime around 1987 or 88 or something, 89. And um, he brought Metallica's Ride the Lightning to show us, like, the devil's music. And I... How I just, bad I and just, how evil it is. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> to demonstrate it, was, it right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was totally what uh, got, got me into heavy metal and... Um, so I, I I definitely listened, you know, secretly to heavy metal for several years, but a lot of it was like lighter stuff, you know, Skid Row, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Metallica, uh, and then in some occasional heavy stuff like Deicide and uh, At the Gates and stuff like that back then. But then oh, wow. when I discovered um, uh, when I discovered Dream Theater. As I mentioned in our bass talks, uh, when we talked about our favorite bass players, this was also like a moment in my... As I started to learn bass and was playing, you know, Metallica songs, and then I discovered Dream Theater and and changed my bass playing. So that was really the start. And just to conclude, um, the first purchase I made was um, in 94, I bought Dream Theater's Awake and Queensryche's Promised Land on cassette tape. They had both just come out. And um, what's to, in your Walkman, huh? <laughs> what is in your Walkman exactly? Uh, and to this day, those are like, yeah, and I had a Walkman back then, yeah. And, and to this day, those are two seminal albums for me in my, yeah, in my journey. So, how about you? What was your <laughs> I, my, my prog epiphany was around the same time, um, like in my life, um, so a, a little bit later. Mm, when you look at the Christian calendar. Um, so I was 14 as well, probably, mm-hmm. but it was around 99, 2000. Um, and growing up, I was not growing up in like a, so much in a Christian um, school or household, um, but in the, like I was raised uh, with classical music and I was playing the cello from a young age when I was seven or something, I started playing the cello. Um, so when I started to, you know, you know, with, I don't know, 12, 13, um, started listening a little bit to the radio and I 
always gravitated towards the heavier stuff and like you know Metallica and I might have uh known stuff like Nightwish as well um but that was you know the time around the turn of the millennium that like all my classmates were they were like huge into techno and eurodance and all that <laughs> stuff and so I was definitely a big outsider um, back then and um Funnily enough, uh, in retrospect, I always think why I never, why it never occurred to me, or why the the LP collection of my father was uh, never of interest. Uh, because I, I, I might have told the part, this part of the story already, also in our base talk, not too long ago, that my father actually um, got this this. A thick double CD of Delicate Sound of Thunder from Pink Floyd mm -hmm. from the local library, and uh, it was just sitting there on the on the sofa table, and uh, I was just old enough that my parents thought it was okay that I come home from school and be alone at home for two hours or something until they, one of them would come home from work, and it was just sitting there. So I was and that cover artwork intrigued me somehow so i put it into the cd player and um i, I will never forget this this was really an epiphany and, and like a eye-opening um beginning of like something crazy and um like the discovery of a whole new universe, of course. Like uh, as as you know, the first song on Delicate Sound of Thunder is "Shine on You, Crazy Diamond." Mm -hmm. At least the first couple of parts, not yeah. <laughs> the the last uh, couple of parts that are on the uh, "Wish You Were Here" uh, original studio album. But that I mean, that's a I don't know, maybe twelve. Uh, 12 minute song at least if not 20 minute and uh, by only knowing radio and classical music this was something it was mind blowing for me at the time and I, it, it was so overwhelming for me that I was not able to uh, listen to the rest of the double CD for like two weeks straight at least I was only listening to Shine On Your Crazy Diamond because it, it I, I just wouldn't get over it how crazy and amazing it is so um, yeah that, that was my first contact <laughs> and uh, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that uh, this is the sole reason why I'm why I'm here, where I am today, and and wh why I w w went down that path. <laughs> and um, after that, it was it it kind of happened very very quickly and naturally, um, as I was um, of course talking to my dad about it, uh, how awesome I think this stuff is and he said yeah i do have a lot of lps of uh, uh, a lot of vinyl stuff or not and there was also you know the deep purple and 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 some yes lps and some king crimson of course and all the great stuff that i 
was able to discover then. And um, <laughs> so when I got my first um, stereo, um, it 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 it, uh, it was uh, something. It was it was clear that when I have. Uh, I think I, I kind of went like that. Um, yeah, I want a stereo for my birthday, and uh, but I didn't want a CD player. I wanted a I wanted a record player to to play the vinyls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was step one, and step two was actually around the same time. All of my classmates uh, were playing in that local youth big band, um, and uh, it was kind of weird being the only string player uh, and uh, I mean there was some strings but it's not the same if you're playing in the big band you want to play some brass instruments mm -hmm. right so um, actually another wish for for, for maybe my 13th birth, birthday or something was uh, was uh, to yeah trombone and to get uh, you know lessons and to to be able to play, play the trombone as a second instrument um and in that youth orchestra and the big band i met uh, the drummer his name is uh, andreas rech i it was uh, in uh, close to bonn at that time and and funnily enough years later i would meet him again uh, one time at lorelei night of the prog when when dream theater played um, the first two with Mike Magini, <laughs> and he had this uh, Mike Portnoy, um, like you know this T-shirt that looks like a tuxedo. Uh, uh, he was wearing that, and then later I would meet him again at Euroblast. Um, we, but we never really kept in contact, funnily enough. But um, I told him that I just recently discovered Pink Floyd and was so enthusiastic about it and he was like yeah i have to show you another band and he gave me the cd it was like like you know a normal jewel case and but but there was no uh no booklet, booklet. uh in the back cover like now i know that the back cover was that one of metropolis part two mm. but the cd that actually was inside it was falling into infinity so um <laughs> It's a bit weird, but also makes sense to 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 have falling into infinity as starting point into prog metal. I think. <laughs> yeah, that that was already a bit later for me. Um, so when I was uh, um, when I discovered Dream Theater, I was I was at the time already into metal, as I said, and I was a really big Manowar fan. So, and this actually this actually informed my early prog years a bit because. Um, this was 94 when I discovered Dream Theater, but around 97, 98, um, my family got our first computer and I got on the internet for the first time and I discovered a, a website that we've talked about a lot here, the Perpetual Motion Board. Um, and this was definitely like where I lived in uh, South Carolina, I had no, I knew nobody else that listened to prog music apart from some friends of mine that were musicians, New Dream Theater. Uh, but apart from them, I didn't know anything about the progressive world until I got on this, this message board, essentially. And, you know, it was all text and stuff. And, 
through the message board, I discovered a bunch of bands like Rhapsody, which is now Rhapsody of Fire in whatever form that you can, you, you like. Luca, really, Luca to really really version or the um, Alex Daropoli version. Um, and through that board, I discovered like Symphony X, Fate's Warning, um, a lot of bands who had been there, you know, for a long time, but I just discovered them. And back then I was only able to like listen to little snippets on, you know, with a dial up connection. So I could hear like the first like 15, 30 seconds of a song. Uh, and they, the, the albums weren't even available in the U.S., a lot of them, because they were like on European labels like SPV or Inside Out. And luckily in the in the city of Columbia, which is the capital of South Carolina, there was a really cool indie um, CD shop that had a lot of uh, imported stuff. And so between the, the perpetual motion board and the imported section of the of the CD shop that I would go to, I discovered all these European bands, and that like really opened up things for me. So, of course, Pain of Salvation. I discovered Sabotage. It's an American band, but I didn't know them before. Uh, Mind's Eye from Norway. Um, Spiral Architect a little bit later. Uh, Angra from Brazil. Um, Blind Guardian. Like All this stuff kind of came flying at me, and that was kind of like my first steps going into the new millennium. But by then, I already knew, um, you know, falling into infinity, and and uh, you know, had I remained a Dream Theater fan the all the all the while, and I'll actually end this section of my my discovery with the first uh, Prague concert I ever went to was Dream Theater's uh, Scenes from New York, the live DVD that I'm actually on. If you watch in, during the solo. For Spirit Carries On, there's a quick shot of the crowd, and you can see my head bobbing around. Um, that was the first prog concert I ever went to. It was right when I moved to New York, and um, I heard that Dream Theater was playing, so I skipped the school orientation at my film school and ran to Irving Plaza to buy tickets and went to see Dream Theater like the next day or something. Um, <laughs> and then once I was there, I discovered Laser CD, which is Ken Golden's uh, of of sensory and the laser's edge, his mail order, which was in Jer- New Jersey, and through him, I bought so many CDs, which I didn't even know what they sounded like uh, because there was no streaming and there was no YouTube and any way to really hear these, but just based on the cover art. And there is where I really discovered like Spiral Architect, Mind's Eye, Riverside, uh, yeah, a lot of these bands for the first time. Little correction here, Mind's Eye are, mind's eye are, are Swedish. Uh, yeah, right, <laughs> Swedish. My bad. Yeah, right, of course. You know, my brother from another right, mother, yeah. Johan Niemann. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I was still thinking of uh, Spiral Architect when I said it, yeah. and I think they're yeah. Norwegian, right? Yes, that's yeah. true. They are actually, like, come, some of those guys from Spiral Architect, are. they have a new band, um, and the new album is coming out. Uh, now, if I only could remember the name of the band. <laughs> While you think about that, um, well, I would say like one one band that really was a crossover for me into more extreme music was I discovered Opeth in the late 90s um, when they released Still Life. And I, it was also like an import CD in the bin at my local record store. And I bought it and then I bought Morning Rise and My Arms, Your Hearse, and when I moved to New York, those were like, um, I really started to get into Opeth 
and uh, Nevermore uh, toured together with them when they released Blackwater Park. And then, uh, yeah, so I would say in the early 2000s, apart from Dream Theater, I would say Opeth, Pain of Salvation, and Nevermore were like my guiding lights in your jam yeah um i will get into the um getting into more extreme stuff later yep by the way the new uh band featuring members of spiral architect and steve t giorgio is called terra odium absolutely awesome stuff um but i can actually um when you when you told us uh, about your first prog concert that's where i can jump in and continue my story because then by that time i had my first job um you know um of course i was still in school i was like 15 and uh, but i was uh you know um how do you say it in english uh i was uh distributing you know the flyer ads like uh, the little yeah to, uh, like, like in, 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 into people's mailboxes you were soliciting <laughs> no i don't know what it's called yeah yeah you were you were delivering like a paper delivery but for ads yeah sticking yeah. ads in people's mailboxes yeah yes and uh uh so this drummer andreas he was telling me hey dream theater is coming to oberhausen uh on It was February 9th, 2002. Um, I checked on on, on Setlist FM. <laughs> and, uh, um, so I was telling my father, hey, Dream Theater coming to, to Oberhausen. I really want to go. It was a Saturday. And, and he said, yeah. Um, I think it was even the day when he said in the morning, well, I have two tickets here, but we can only go if you finish your round uh, doing <laughs> your job first. <laughs> nice. Good so, parenting. So yeah, my my dad took me to Oberhausen, and we, I, I was yeah, as I said, I was 15. I barely knew any prog outside of Pink Floyd and the Dream Theater, and uh, Pain of Salvation were supporting, and it took me wow. several years later to get into them because it was just too much. It was just too mind blowing what they were doing. Mm. I can barely remember anything from that show because. Yeah, imagine only knowing Dream Theater and and Pink Floyd, and then having uh, those crazy guys blast your mind out. <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, which album cycle was that? Not the per was it the Perfect Element? Yeah, I think yeah. it's the Perfect Element. Yep. My first copy of the Perfect Element I bought on CD. It was one track. They messed up the <laughs> CD, I think, and so. For 10 years or more, I had this CD that was only one track, so I didn't even know where, to, you know, where the next song ever started because I had to. When I started listening to it, I really had to commit because if I would stop the CD player, it would go back to zero. Uh, so I always listened to the Perfect Element like all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I think you 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 said that in our Pain of Salvation discography discography episode. Yeah. Um, And um, I really think if we ever get back together and continue the broadcast, we should do more discography episodes because they're fun. Truly. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving on with, with my journey into Prague, um, like two months later or three months later, um, in 2002, um, 
I then took my father in return for his birthday in May, uh, like it was the night before his birthday. I took him to see Roger Waters in Köln. Mm. Um, Very cool. So, <laughs> um, and during that time, uh, I started reading the German Rock Hard magazine, and I started to become an, like a really avid and uh, uh, thorough reader of the Rock Hard magazine. I would. For for some time later, like after 2002, when I moved back to the Stuttgart area, um, I would have, you know, um, um, abonnement. A, a subscription. Subscription, yeah. So they would I mail would, it to you. Yes, and I would, every month I would read the whole magazine from front to back. Every single article, every single ad I would read. and And if there was a lot of month left after i would finish i might might have bought a, an occasional metal hammer yeah. in addition to that <laughs> so but of course the the things that i was already fixated on and and kind of focused uh to 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 get out of this uh reading uh, reading rock hard magazine was all everything everywhere where Prague was mentioned and uh, i would say probably through Rock Hard magazine or even uh, the EMP mail order magazine where they all also have little reviews. Um, I also discovered um, Symphony X and mm. uh, when I was in Paris in 2003 um, for my like, you know, social internship uh, from school, um, Symphony X were playing there with the Odyssey tour. Cool. And uh, when I was 16, I went there like on my own from where I lived with a, you know, host family, um, which was so funny because uh, after that I went back to 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 the um, to the metro uh, and I was waiting for the metro and there was like a Japanese girl and I saw yeah she was at the at the concert as well and uh, I started talking to her a little bit and. She's she, and ask her you you've been to the concert as well. She said yeah, but actually I w I I came here to Paris uh, to see Spock's Beard who played the day before. Oh, and I was like bummed out that I missed Spock's Beard in uh, uh, 2003 in Paris. It uh, would take me like ten ten more years to actually see Spock's Beard. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, after after Rock Hard and all that, um, one other big thing to to discover more Prague was, of course, when I also got my first computer and uh, the dial-up connection, and um, I immediately went online to search for Prague online radio stations. I mean, it was yeah. it was that advanced already. It was already possible to stream radio, even though it was a dial-up connection. Um, so there was like you know some some radio stations like Moro and Delicious Agony and whatnot. But there was one uh, that was progged radio, uh, which would later uh, kind of migrate to become Proglus radio. Mm. And that's where I would find a, a whole, uh, like a whole host of friends, uh, on the message board and, uh, also discover a lot of music, uh, in the coming 
10 years or so. Um, I feel like Paragulus for you is like perpetual motion board for me, for sure. Like, cause absolutely. You, you reference Paragulus so often and I never, I, I never knew about it. Um, may, maybe by this time in my life and, and, and in geological time, uh, there, I wasn't listening to any like streaming radio shows in New York. I don't remember knowing that that was a possibility, you know? So I was still very <laughs> solitary. I, I actually spent probably the first, fifth, you know, 15, 20 years of my Prague life without any other Prague fan friends. It was Aww. really solitary. I, I didn't know anybody that liked uh, Prague music. For nearly the entire time I lived in uh, New York, until I moved to Germany and, and and met people here that were into, of course, metal. I got into the metal scene, but but also prog music. It really more happened here. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It was m- m- more of an online uh, world, and I didn't make friends on the perpetual motion board either. That's another thing that I didn't really do. I didn't like talk to any of those people outside of <laughs> of that i just learned from that and like enjoyed it for myself i don't know yeah um yeah uh, one thing i i kind of uh, forgot to mention you mentioned your first purchase and that was like the the, the two cassettes and, and i remember specifically that my first uh purchase of a CD was actually uh, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence from hmm. Dream Theater, of course. A double tr- album was your first purchase. Yes. Now, <laughs> actually, the first purchase, like, that was the first album purchase. Y- yeah, the first so, frog. Yeah, yeah. The, the the first album purchase, as it is. Wow. The, I, I, I bought two other things before, and that was two singles, like single CD. Remember those? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, and there were, there were, sli- they were, yeah, I was, I don't know, maybe I was, f- yeah, 14 maybe, and there were, um, The Offspring, Defy You, and Linkin Park in the end. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, a- anyway, uh, moving on from Six Degrees, uh, which would become uh, a huge favorite of mine, um, on to um, one more, um, uh, how, how do you say it? it? It was a milestone. Milestone, yeah. Milestone was in 2004, Arians, the Human Equation. Mm, right. Um, of course, because of its musical content and the, the, the compositions and everything, but also uh, because it, um I learned about a lot of amazing vocalists and their bands through this album. Hmm. Of course, I knew James Labrie from Dream Theater, but uh, yeah, uh, Eric Clayton from Save Your Machine. Uh, finally, someone who had a voice that was a little bit similar to mine, singing in prog in the prog world and not like some high tenor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, Devin Townsend and Dead Soul Tribe, like, uh, you know, Devin Graves, Dead Soul Tribe and Psychotic Walls. Dead Soul Tribe would become quickly, you know, my go-to, you know, angsty, depressed teen band. (laughs) 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 Um, But, yeah, you already mentioned the... the, uh, 
starting to to appreciate heavier prog stuff as well with Opeth, and that was the same for me. Up until I heard Mikhail Ackerfeld growling on The Human Equation, I, I was not able to stand any growls at all. I thought hmm. they were disgusting, and, and I, I, I didn't um, get the musical value and enjoyment from them. Yeah. Um, but once I, I, I heard Mikhail, uh, Mikhail's growls, I was totally enamored and yeah. uh, uh, so went to the, to the music shop and just grabbed the first Opeth CD that, that I could get hold of and that was still live, even mm-hmm. though it was already 2004 and uh, a little bit later... Um, Ghost Reveries would drop, and uh, so um, the funny thing about growls, I mean, um, I I knew already. I already listened to like Pantera and like Cannibal Corpse a little bit, and uh, Mashuga. Like Mashuga was was also maybe a early prog band that I was into, but I never thought of them as prog in the '90s. You know, they were like extreme metal uh, to me, but. Uh, uh, with, so Michael Ackerfeld was also for me like a gateway into melodic music that had guttural vocals. And through Opeth, I got really into Scandinavian metal. So, I mean, like yeah. um, I, um, um, uh, In Flames, Dark Tranquility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the Gates. Uh, I already knew At the Gates, but, you know, I, I really got into like the, the Swedish mellow death stuff during that time and what they were doing like early late 90s early 2000s and that like open soil work you know when they mm-hmm. came out i was there like when <laughs> when they brought their first records and for you you had hard rock for me i paid a ton of money to i don't even know why i did this but the best magazine i knew of at the time because i think this was before decibel in the us the best magazine that I could get in New York was Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles, which is now just called BraveWords.com. Um, yeah. And it came from Toronto, Canada. And I did pay a bunch of money to have it because it was imported. You know, it wasn't Damn. a U.S. magazine. So I paid a lot of student money that I had to get that magazine every month. And it had a, a CD sampler. And through that, I learned a lot. So... During these years, I also had a lot of education in metal in general and extreme stuff. But uh, yeah, that's apart from, I guess, the the progressive metal journey. Yeah, um, what I wanted to say about the, uh, the journey into more extreme stuff for for several years, for a long time, it would uh, Opeth would remain the sole band with the extensively featured growls. That I would really enjoy, um, and that wouldn't change up until um, 2015, even uh, when Hypnos dropped their Shores of the Abstract Line, uh, which was another milestone for me because that really opened up my my horizon for more extreme stuff and also maybe some core influenced kind of you know more shouty vocals more scream screamy vocals maybe yeah um and uh, yeah okay maybe you know when when tesseract came came about with one uh yeah tesseract is a funny funny example because i actually discovered them on myspace 
<laughs> uh, like two years before they released one, and they they had still uh, the singer who, whose name was Abi, and uh, there was only you know the Concealing Fate EP on MySpace. Um, yeah, that that uh, didn't uh, get me into really liking the really extreme stuff but with with hypnose it was like you know something changed and um after that i was able to to also get into you know the tech death and and uh, and all this stuff that doesn't necessarily feature clean vocals as well <laughs> Um, I tend, since you're already into the 2010s, uh, I think I'll just quickly wrap up. Like I separate my my years a little bit. So the 20, the 2000s until 2011, I was in New York, and then I moved to Germany in 2011. And I would, uh, I always think of these as different periods because I also discovered different music um, based on you know what I was doing and where I lived. Um, but to wrap up the 2010s for me. Apart from getting into post-rock quite a lot um, towards the end of the 2010s, into bands like um, If These Trees Could Talk or This Will Destroy You or Sleep Makes Waves, um, I was really, like, three bands that kind of rounded out the end of the 2010s for me were definitely, like, Devin Townsend, uh, Stephen Wilson, well, first Porcupine Tree, but then Stephen Wilson's solo uh, a little bit later, and and Muse. So Muse was a band I discovered also in the mid like 2004, I guess, with Absolution. And I would say during the 2000s, apart from Opeth, Pain of Salvation, Stephen Wilson, Devin Townsend, Muse was also w one of my favorite bands. Apart, Dream Theater remained in the top, <laughs> but um, Muse was like, yeah, easily in the top five. Um, and I also have a grunge background because when I grew up, um, grunge became popular when I was like 11, 12, 13. So in my like formative years, um, so I was really into Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, all these bands. So Muse kind of, once I got into more technical and progressive music, uh, a friend of mine who wasn't into Prague was like, you should listen to Muse because yeah, they're a rock band, but they do all this proggy stuff. And the, the singer also plays piano and classically. And, and then I heard Absolution and I was like, whoa, this is like a sort of bridge between those worlds. And uh, I really yeah. got into that stuff. And then when I moved to to, um, to Germany in 2011, got into the metal scene in Munich, discovered lots of bands here, and then you know started my journey into making films with bands. That's when like I really discovered a lot of stuff that I didn't know, and I felt like I was actually kind of late to the like Tesseract, Haken, Leprous party. <laughs> because for many years, I just didn't have a community to learn about those bands. And I had heard about all of them, but it wasn't until I was in Germany and, and really around people that appreciated those bands that I discovered them. And Between the Buried and Me is a great example. It's one of my favorite bands now. And I got into them because they toured with Dream Theater on the Progressive Nation tour. But yeah. I bought the album back then, but I didn't quite get into it until I moved to, to Germany several years later, like four years later or something. So, um, and then, yeah, here uh, I can say that, um, you know, th those bands already mentioned, Haken, Leprous, Tesseract, Between the Buried Me, including Protest the Hero. 
these were some really big um, monumental bands for me in the last 10 years. And yeah. of course, also discovering instrumental rock. Like, I mean, I listened to Satriani and stuff when I was a bit younger, but, um, you know, learning about bands like Scale the Summit or Intervals later on, Pliny, uh, bands like that, and that whole, like, sort of YouTube generation of guitar players. <laughs> bedroom genters. Bedroom genters. I mean, not even gent per se, like periphery, but, you know, like the the instrumental music that developed out of that sort of genre. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really also inspired me as a musician, um, too. And so I'm also now on my own path of making an instrumental <laughs> album and uh, sort of taking all those influences. Um, one more um, genre that I got into a lot more, actually, when I moved to Europe, um, because it's something from my roots, but then I more rediscovered it, was more the sludge stuff from where I'm from. So bands like Baroness and Red Fang, I mean, they're from the Northeast but or Northwest, but, um, you know, Mastodon, these sort of sludge bands that are from the Southeast where I grew up, I sort of got into later in life. You know, it's a little bit like when you're young and you have these influences and then you go away from them for a long time and then <laughs> you somehow rediscover them and like them because they're part of your DNA. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then I had a sort of rediscovery of them. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah you, you, I think you started this uh, this um, um, part of the journey with with also your grunge background. This is something <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have at all. Um, this angle, um, but what way, what actually made me discover bands like um, Tesseract and especially Haken and Lepris from like the moment they released their their debut albums uh was the uh fact that i started to go to prog power europe yep. every year since two, 2008 and uh the reason why i where why i went there in the first place was to meet people i would would have i i i already knew from progolus radio for several years and to meet them, finally meet them in real life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, uh, yeah, that that was yeah, something that's a, that's a, like that's the thing that we, I didn't really have. And you, we have, of course, Prague Power USA, which was in Atlanta, which is not far from where I grew up. It's only about three hours, but <laughs> I never made it there because when it really kicked off, I was now living in New York you know, poor student and, you know, couldn't fly to Atlanta because yeah. unfortunately you couldn't just like take a train or drive, you know, it was just <laughs> so far away uh, that I never, except for concerts that would show up in New York, I never had a chance to go to one of these places. And, you know, so I'm always a little uh, you know, envious of your like your history with, with, with Prague Power because um, it's something I always just read about and always like yeah. kind of dreamed of. Um, but never had the chance to go. I've still never been to Prague Power, and I've been in Europe for 10 years now, so that's my fault, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but Prague Power is not only about uh, the the like the opportunity to see so many bands live. Um, like uh, w One thing that is very apparent here in the, during the last 10, 15 years, um, that being connected with the scene and going to many live concerts... 
also leads to you know constantly having friends recommend you stuff or you recommend stuff to friends and all that um but yeah the proc power europe um family is is really one of a kind and um it it is just an amazing bunch of people and 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 to think it's like a small festival indoor festival with i don't know 500 600 maximum capacity and and after 12 uh, years going there and you go there you know at least 100 to 200 of these people and you know them by name mm-hmm. which is amazing and it's you amazing. know when you you meet them in in Barcelona for Bprog my friend or in Armenia uh, in uh, in in Sibiu Romania on the Armenia festival you 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 would meet those people and 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 you would uh, instantly have the connection and say hi, uh, great to see you here as well. And uh, so the the scene is just amazing, and uh, I love uh, it's it's absolutely it's a, it's an honor to be part of that. Actually, it's 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 like I feel very lucky to be part of that scene and that family in yeah, particular. And you, and, and you have and you <laughs> yeah, you've sort of made your place in that. In that realm, um, I, I I somehow still always feel like a bit of an outsider because I yeah like I said I didn't grow up here I didn't grow up in that scene I'm not a part of the Prague Power family I'm a little bit of a ghost to those <laughs> things um, but you know apart from the the Prague cast uh, you know all the work I did with uh, with Freaks TV and the you know the 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 Prague series that we did there into the machine. Uh, I somehow found m- my way to connect uh, in a strange way, you know, because it's also like you're driven to kind of be a part of this scene. Yeah. You know, it's a small and, and powerful scene and, and a supportive one and like a positive place to, you know, put your time and effort. And so I guess everybody in a way finds their way to, to be in there, to experience and to share uh, music. <clears throat> Yeah, think thinking thinking about like uh, um, into the machine, or it actually was a spotlight uh, for Rendezvous mm. Point, for example. They are also part of the scene, and they're um, a- as much as they're a band. They're I, I feel they're like just um, also a bunch of prog fans, like a lot of these young bands who are as much uh, fans and part of the scene and part of the family as they are bands who just happen to play on stage later when you when you hang with them at at, at Proc Power Europe yeah. or at Euroblast. It's 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 pretty similar actually. Um like uh I I, I, I listened to, to the ep- Euroblast episode or to the Euroblast interview with Azure back uh, a couple of days ago when I was preparing for the new talk with them. And so and and then Galen said back then that he he wanted to go to Euroblast as a fan for 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 several years, but he never actually made it. Um, and and now the first time he made it was because he was invited to play with his band. <laughs> um, so and. <laughs> it's just, still a dream of mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. Um, you know, it's also, as you were just saying about, you know, these people that you hang out with and then later they're going to play a show. That's the feeling that I've had in all of our experience making the broadcast 
also all my years doing you know freaks tv and and you know shooting documentaries with with prog bands and the friendships have formed you know with with bands and you know through that process and it, and it always does feel that way that in the end it's it's an ecosystem of sorts you know um we're the fans or the you know promotional element of the scene and they're the the artists and stuff but it's very fluid and open and honest in a in a way um that I think maybe for other genres is harder to maintain uh, a like, you know, fluid, open, honest, you know, channel between artists and fans um, that exist in the prog scene, maybe because of the size, you know, and, you know, the accessibility. And we're not talking about millions and millions of dollar industry um, that some other genres are. Dabbling in. Dabbling in, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, w- one thing that just occurred to me, uh, like this last year has been very strange, of course, uh, in terms of, um, you know, how bands keep connected with their fans and, um, just thinking about the opportunities that the internet that also, um, of course has its very bad sides, um, has uh, the opportunities that that, uh, it offers to um, artists to stay in touch with their fans. Um, Like, for example, C2IE, he's Mm. he's very, very active on his Twitch, uh, on on his Discord channel. And um, Daniel Tompkins, for example, is very, very active doing a lot of Twitch streams. And... um, uh, yeah, this like um, there's especially through um, tools like Discord. There's um, there's also the possibility of a you know a direct exchange between fans and artists. Um, and also, if you go to the shows or if you go to to festivals like Euroblast or or Proc Power. Um, th- this direct connection to the fans is um i don't think it's possible in 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 really any other genre because it might be you know the the it's just too big of a gap between the two worlds mm. um and and also more of a business than just you know being passionate about music um, like which bands and fans have in common in prog music that they're passionate about music and a lot of fans are at least amateur hobby musicians themselves <laughs> yeah. I mean you say this all the time but uh, that we're not the gatekeepers of Prague and just when you were talking just now it, it reminded me of that that's one of the differences I think in our genre, especially if you watch any of the documentaries um, about, you know, superstars like Lady Gaga or, um, I don't know, Taylor Swift or something. I mean, when you look at that world and often what, you know, the message in those films is that those people, they struggle, you know, with this level of fame, you know, and this level of, 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 you know, being in the spotlight uh, constantly. Success. 
And, and what this always creates, whether you're a celebrity in the music industry or in the film industry, is it creates this, like, this, this, this machine around you that, that has to, like, be fed, you know, and fueled. Absolutely. And yeah. so you have a lot of people who create a certain, you know, environment around that person in order to keep them separate and to keep them making money and keep them doing that. And this has a lot of, you know, effects on people in many ways. But I think this is also kind of what creates the separation between, um, you know, fans and, you know, the machine of the thing to keep it running that, uh, you know, you just keep chugging through city after city and, Maybe on this level that most of most of what Prague is, you you don't see that um, you know these gatekeepers. You're really close to them. A lot of times the bands, you know, have a tour manager and you know you write with them. But then a lot of times you're in touch directly with the members for interviews and stuff or a press person. But it's not like three layers of label agency and, and management, um, <laughs> you know, before you get a 15-minute slot. And, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like a different yeah. kind of, um, yeah, it's a different yeah. universe, I guess, in a way. Yeah, the, 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 the only, like, like uh, I had uh, only two times, um, like, a level of fame where I would go to the, to the interview on, on location where it was a little bit tricky and ki kind of very strict and mm -hmm. like communicated beforehand that this is the time slot and if I can't make it, you're, the interview is out. off. And that, and that, that was, that was uh, Amorphis and Apocalyptica. But of course yep. they, have, they have huge uh, like productions. And the, as you said, there's also already beginning this entourage, this, this entourage of people that, kind of protects this world yeah of course the same uh, is true for a band like dream theater because i mean they are they are definitely one of the biggest uh, they are the biggest prog metal band there is yeah, and yeah and they are themselves in the mainstream in a way you know they're yeah. they're really well known gra grammy nominated you know so they also of course have those machines around them to some degree you know um it might be different th than if you're you know working with i don't know um Janet Jackson, <laughs> but uh, it, it's still, you know, as the machine grows, so does all these moving parts around it. And um, yeah, I feel like we're diving into another, <laughs> another uh, episode uh, at the moment, but uh, we, we, we are. And, and I think that is also this, the, the original spirit of the broadcast that we imagined hmm. and, and envisioned yeah. to just... Um, nerd out and and see where the where the conversation leads us right? right absolutely and that's also what i try to do um in a more limited space with my interviews um but of course there's always um like um like a topic at hand that is um that wants to be promoted like a new album or something um so there's the time for really diving into stuff is limited mm. so but yeah we already are reaching the one hour mark here i think and uh we were uh we had a pretty cool uh, yeah um 
walk down memory lane, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow on the last episode uh, for now, uh, maybe the audience who's been following us, some of you, for two and a half years, maybe now they've learned a little bit more about us on the last episode somehow. But um, <laughs> Yeah, maybe they, they, they can keep it in mind for when, when we... If and when we come back, then they will already know. Ah, that's that's the guy who bought uh, first, uh, like after he he had bought the uh, in Lincoln Park and off the Offspring uh, singles. He immediately went on to buying Six Degrees. <laughs> or I think the, the living meme of somebody gifting you scenes from a memory, but when you open up the case, it's falling into infinity. <laughs> it's like a meme. <laughs> Absolutely. In retrospect, it is. Um, uh, Randy, it has been uh, one hell of a journey, and I think we're we. I am super proud and super thankful uh, for what we have achieved together, and um, I think this uh, definitely calls for a celebration once we are really able to do that. I mean, here in Germany, it al already looks good. I mean, we, we we can meet up in the beer garden already tested and everything, or vaccinated, hmm. or both. <laughs> um, so I think this calls for, for, for a nice celebration once we find the time for that. But as we were saying at the beginning of this episode, we, we kind of entered some... Uh, a little bit more stressful episode in our lives where we where we had need to foc to to shift our focus and keep our focus elsewhere um uh, that's why we will have to leave the broadcast be as it is but i mean if you're fairly new to our show there's 142 plus episodes to check out still. They're, they're still up. They will stay where they are. They won't be going anywhere. <laughs> I just want to say to you also, Dario, that it, it's been a, a great yeah, privilege to watch, you know, to, to do this together with you, but to also watch you... Yeah, come into your role as the as the primary host of the show, and to see your your interview skills develop. And I mean, I've also been interviewing people for ten years on various video platforms and stuff. And and to see you also sort of find your way in that journey has been really great to watch. You know, from a from a close distance. <laughs> and of course, I've always enjoyed our our talks and our you know our shared interests and our like slight differences, you know, and and the stuff <laughs> yeah. that we like. Uh, so, thank you, thank you, my friend. Um, I I don't think there's really much more to say other than take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and never forget to. Keep listening to great music. Progcast is a Stuist Media podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Progcast Podcast. To learn more about Stuist Media, check out stuistmedia.com. Progcast is hosted and produced by Dario Albrecht and myself, Randy M. Salo, and is co-produced by Janine Stengel-Lewis and Blake Lewis. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. This is not an elephant.